Welcome to Inside Scoop with Sean Emery. Every week we are examining something new, bringing you closer to companies, sectors, and themes. This recording should not be construed as a substitute for personalized individual advice from Avery and Company or any guests on the show. This is for educational purposes only and not intended to make an offer or solicitation for any companies or securities mentioned. With that, let's get on with the episode. Right. Hello, everyone. We are here with Philip Lakin. He is the founder of No Code Ops. He created one of the biggest communities around No Code. Philip, how big is that community today? Uh, yeah, it's just over 9,000 subscribers. Uh, and then we uh, wow. recently uh, just relaunched our Discord community as well that's growing every day. So, yeah. Wow. Congrats on that. So, you also launched Switchboard. I know we just talked about uh, potentially something merging or, or whatever brands uh, that you're going to do in the future. I think it seems like an interesting product in general as an error monitoring tool for automation, like things like Zapier, Make. Uh, we use both of those here at Avery, but it seems fascinating. And we'll get into that in a bit and let you talk about that. But today, I think the focus is really around no code. Uh, what are the trends in the space? What tools companies are really using, thriving? Uh, where no code may be headed? I think for Myself, the listeners, we always like to set the foundation, kind of why are we having this conversation to begin with? I think it's important conversation for many. We have founders that are avid listeners to our podcast. So today, I think as one builds their their business in general, take some of these tools that Philip is referencing, use them, play with them, unlock productivity, unlock creativity, uh, get that time back, uh, whether it's through automation or any other tool that is discussed. For investors listening, which are many, today is really understanding the conversation, I think, in two ways. First is, who's building the next technology platform? So focused around the investment opportunity. And then second, how does no code present as a risk uh, to those companies that have really benefited from building a platform and are the incumbents today where no code could potentially be a threat? So I think those are the two areas there. And Philip, there, this has been kind of a space that we love from an investment perspective, uh, and I'll describe no code and then pass it to you, sure. uh, from your lens. Um, you know, so those listening, no code is really referring to software tools that allow users to build and deploy kind of applications or software without the need for that technical know-how. Um, you know, I like to describe it as software eating software, uh, to build a website or an application on mobile or desktop. You know, it took understanding of software languages. Today, you have products like Wix, which allows you to build a website from scratch. Webflow, same thing. Zapier, which you have a company that is is kind of building uh, adjacent to. Um, and every other thing, you know, CRMMonday.com. So, Philip, first off, tell everyone about you, what you've been up to, then kind of what uh, no code is in your mind. Sure, yeah. So, thanks for having me. Um, and, yeah, I... Uh... I never knew that I was going to land in the no-code space. That was not something that I, you know, thought about as a kid. Um, and uh, lo and behold, uh, here I uh, here I am. And um, yeah, I had, uh, you know, uh, I guess just the kind of fast story into no-code for me that kind of, you know, explains kind of where I am in the industry. Uh, I started out in like the very, very non-technical side uh, in that I was an actor before I was in tech. So wow. uh, yeah, so very, very non-technical. Uh, you know, did everything from like Law and Order and Gossip Girl and like, you know, films in Kansas, Tribeca Film Festival. And uh, I was a very, uh, I was a very mediocre waiter. Wait, you're in Law and, Law and Order? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so real mediocre waiter when I was an actor. So I fell in love with like real marketing and promotions <laughs> um, that uh, that led into uh, starting my own business on that front, which then uh, got acquired by one of our clients, which was an Israeli based Uber competitor 
called Get. Um, and they had wanted uh, me to take the street team that we had built and use it to recruit drivers, so rideshare drivers away from Uber and Lyft, um, but do it in the field and do it digitally, two things they were not doing at the time. Uh, and I said, great, so what technology team do I work uh, with at, you know, get to accomplish this goal? They said, no, um, you work in operations. You are the tech team. <laughs> Got it. It's like my first like big, you know, kind of corporate startup job. So um, I figured out how to piece together a few platforms uh, that now today you would call no code. Back then it was just called figuring stuff out um, <laughs> uh, and built a process that onboarded over, you know, 15,000 drivers, um, wow. you know, through our, through our system. So, um, so yeah, that led me to uh, uh, getting poached by Compass uh, to uh, build their onboarding for the real estate agents across the U.S., you know, all the way from 2000, you know, to over 17,000 agents all the way through going public. Um, they still use the processes that we built today, all with no code. Um, and when I found out that no code was a term, I was really excited, but I was immediately let down because everyone in the space was talking about how to use no code to build websites and mobile apps uh, and like being a founder in the no code space, as opposed to using it for operations, which is what I really wanted to learn more and, you know, talk to more people in that space. So that's where the newsletter started, which turned into the community, which turned into the product. Um, and the way I think about no code today. Um, so, you know, I think, yes, there's founders using no code to build the first versions of their products, build MVPs, um, even second, third versions of their products because of how much more robust no code, you know, has gotten. So, uh, for people building marketplaces, for people building things where technology is not the unique value prop where it is, you know, a network effect or something like that. Like, yes, no code is definitely the way to go. Um, so I think about like that external use case where it's like customer facing. And then I also think about no code from an internal perspective of, um, you know, there's all these things that operations professionals want internally that the devs never have time to deliver uh, for them. Um, so how can they self-service those needs when there's no off-the-shelf software there? And that can be things by way of, you know, integrations, uh, storing data, uh, manipulating and transforming data, uh, workflows uh, with like manual uh, and automatic requests in them. Um, and it can, you know, as well be full-fledged uh, applications. Yeah, no, it's so interesting for sure. So a couple things there. One is um, for anyone listening, he was an actor turned no code ops uh, and then in switchboard on the way here. Um, just fascinating when you think of, you know, people where you are in your journey today, you know, you can uh, figure things out and let uh, kind of life and, and some of the opportunities um, yeah. in front of you and take advantage of them. So pretty cool, uh, you know, journey there by yourself. Take us back to the those early tools that you were using that were weren't considered no code at the time, but yeah, really were no code. What what were what were you patching together for? Um, so when know, I was at Get, yeah. the when we were building the onboarding application, um, we had started with uh, Hello Sign was our signing huh. application. Um, uh, the problem was that Hello Sign at the time didn't yet come out with Hello Works, and that also even when it came out didn't work offline completely, which is what we really needed. Um, I think owned by Dropbox today. Yes, uh, owned by Dropbox today. Yep. Um, so uh, we would, you know, we'd open up this big PDF kind of application, you know, this big PDF that someone would have to fill out little bit by little bit. And God forbid the, the you know, internet had to, you know, drop off or whatever. We have to restart the whole process. So mm. um, we switched into using uh, a tool called Pronto Forms, which is a, a field like a device field um, form filler. that uh, So it's like a form, but it can work completely offline, which is great, and then sync later. So Got we it. put those on iPads, 
it worked phenomenally. Um, it would then take the data from there and push it into the PDF contract that the driver would sign. So we eliminated that step. Uh, it would also take all of the data, I think, through Zapier and push it to Google Sheets. Um, and then we essentially used Google Sheets as like an applicant tracking system for our drivers at the time. Um, and uh, towards the end of my time at Get, we were considering, and this feels like forever ago, um, if we're going to make an upgrade from Google Sheets, should we go with Airtable or should we go with Fieldbook? Which if those of you who remember, like there one time was like a valid competitor against Airtable uh, that was thinking about very similar stuff. They no longer exist. But yeah, those were the tools we were using. Wow. Yeah, no, we use a uh, PandaDoc still. Um, you know, there's the DocuSign, PandaDoc, HelloSign. I think uh, you're starting to see some of the stuff just consolidate. Uh, as always, you know, so step forward to today, um, you know, Airtable's still around uh, and yeah. doing well. Um, who are the leading players? You know, who would you call out? Uh, and really what problems uh, are they solving? Yeah, so starting with Airtable, I think I'm just continually blown away by what they're doing. Um uh, look, I, I very much, when I think about no-code, I think the future of no-code is uh, every team will be able to develop their own software for their own specific needs. Mm -hmm. um, that is the future that I see with no-code. It's like not everyone on one big system and one central admin, you know, updating things very slowly. It's, you know, there's rules of the road. There's, uh, there's a place where all the data comes from, but every team, you know, whether it's CX or sales, et cetera, et cetera, they're all developing their own software for their own specific needs. Um, and that's, you know, uh, Airtable is making some huge leaps and bounds on that front because now Airtable, you know, not only has their own automations layer, their own data layer, but now uh, you notice with interfaces, they're abstracting away all of the spreadsheet-like interface from certain users. So it just feels like software to people. Um, so I love what Airtable is doing on that front. Um, I continue to love the work that Zapier and Maker are doing just around like making automations easier. I think they continue to be leaders in the space for sure. Uh, on the open source side, N8N is making some big leaps and bounds uh, for those uh, looking uh, for something possibly more cost-effective there. Um, on the, uh, um, on the workflow and like orchestration side, I continue to uh, like really love the work that like uh, Tonkin is doing um, just around like, you know, when there's human loop or like, you know, uh, like massive business orchestration happening between multiple applications or places. Um, and then, uh, and then, yeah, I'm trying to think like on the internal side of the business, um, you know, uh, it was more and more low Cody to me, uh, retool, but now like with their launch of like, you know, having like tables, like right within retool and starting to look a little bit more like Airtable. I think everyone's starting to, you know, converge, like you said earlier on that front where everyone wants to be every layer of that, autom you know, of that uh, internal application stack. So I think they're doing some really cool stuff there. Yeah. And then, yeah, just to further uh, add some more names, I know you have a, uh, a brain filled with all the different codes. So it's like hard to extract one all the time. The like notion obviously is taking. Yeah. Uh, notion by Coda. Amazing. Yeah. Notion Coda Airtable, I think kind of fall in the similar realm. You even have like Monday, you know, uh, at least from our eyes and tell me if I'm wrong is, you know, when you look at these things, it's basically, they kind of like created the database uh, and made it more consumer friendly um, yeah. where you, not you personally, but individuals can, can, interact with the data without feeling with like feeling like they're in an Excel spreadsheet, which everyone is somewhat familiar with yep. as opposed to before where, you know, it was lines of code that were extracting all the data in a database. Um, 
and then allowing you to be as flexible as possible. It kind of goes to the next point or question here, which is point solution versus product. Um, I mean, a uh, platform versus pro- uh, platform. Yeah. So you have like a lot of point solutions, whether it is the MailChimps of the world, which is kind of like a you know drag and drop email builder. Yeah. Um, I know it's the standard and it got uh, acquired by Intuit. Um, but when you put like the investor hat on, you know, I think the bigger question when everyone's looking for sustainability in an investment, it's really around a platform. Um, so talk to us around what you see out there. And I think we probably named a few already of companies that ha- are building that roadmap to being the, a mission critical platform in the no code space for small business, large business, uh, you name it. Yeah. Um, you know, look, I view no code in like a few different layers, uh, sure. especially like for the internal use cases that I think about, like the operational use cases. Um, yeah, sure. There's like those, uh, there's um, completely blank canvas, right? So like the tool does nothing unless you do something with it, you build something with it. So think of like, uh, you know, that's where like your air tables and um, uh, your Drona HQs and, you know, that's where that lives. Where it's like, there is no application or Betty blocks, right? There is nothing unless you build it. Like uh, it's a blank canvas, highly customizable, a little bit of a learning curve, um, but uh, highly powerful. Um, sure. Then as you go up the scale, like, you know, as you get more definition and it becomes easier to use or more specific use cases, that's where you start coming into, um, you know, the MailChimp's, the process streets, that there is a specific reason that you're using this thing. It's less generalist. Um uh, still very customizable, um, but more for you're using it for a very you're, you're using it for a specific purpose or a specific you know vertical. Um, so that, I kind of on that I kind of look at the tools uh, on that spectrum. The way I think about it is this. Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, all those project management tools are now starting to look more like Airtable, right? Like on those long days, the right, like they're all starting, they're all starting to do that. And by the way, Airtable also sells itself to certain organizations as like, hey, not only would be your spreadsheet, but it's also be your project management tool, right? right? So they're all starting to converge in that way, um, where people are with these project management companies like ClickUp and all the stuff is realized is like, oh my god, people love using these interfaces for stuff. What else besides? you know, traditional project management, could people create their own CRMs here? Could people create their own business applications and workflows? Um, so when I like put the investor hat on, um, I think a lot about what platforms are out there that have, that have like a deep recognition that people genuinely are tired of off the shelf software not meeting their needs and that also don't wanna wait for developers. Um, that are making this stuff so beautifully simple and easy to do for someone who has never touched a line of code. Um, uh, I also think about um, the companies that are making it easier for the development and IT side from day one to be bought in as opposed to this being shadow IT from day one. Right. So that don't only think about like product like growth, right. Just like getting it in the hands of people and like letting them start to build it. But like, what is the upgrade there where um, the IT teams and the dev teams can feel way more comfortable with stuff where this stuff doesn't just become a huge black box of business logic that nobody knows what's going on at all lives in somebody's head. Those are, those are the types of platforms that, that I think are really interesting. Um, the things I'm, a, you know, very wary of is, uh, are like platforms that exist out there that go, we are like 
uh, you know, one of these big players, Airtable, Retool, you know, et cetera. But we do one or two things differently. The thing is, those companies are now so robust and such behemoths, like they're going to come for those features that maybe they're missing at this point. Um, so I think a lot about, you know, I think a lot about that. Yeah, no, it's definitely interesting. I think everyone's going back. So, so some companies created a, a product that had a purpose, whether it's like a Trello, which was more around like the Kanban and, and some of like the Trello cards. Right. Um, and their newest like cloud-based like Trello, at least new like a couple of years ago now, um, was really going back to what Airtable and Notion and some others have built, which is just simply, here's a better looking spreadsheet and start It all comes back building. to the spreadsheet, man. People love it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even you know, you hear the cloud companies and and like the the the, the platform cloud companies like AWS. It really comes back to the database because ultimately, it's it's like what are you trying to collect uh, in terms of data, whether it's a CRM, yeah. whether it's a productivity tool in terms of tasks and projects. Um, that's like the data layer, and then outside of that, it's how do you want to visualize and use the this data, and that's ultimately why you're seeing this convergence back to ironically an Excel spreadsheet in a way. People love it, uh, man. Like when I was at Compass, like we had Salesforce with all of this, you know, agent data in it. And I can't tell you the amount of teams that just love to sync Google Sheets to their, you know, Salesforce instance to just be like, I just want to look at this stuff in a Google Sheet. <laughs> like I don't want to look at it in, in, in Salesforce. Which is fascinating, right? Because Microsoft and Google both had uh, Excel and Google Sheets. Yet this whole emergence of like a new database has emerged. Same database, you know, connected database. They're so starting like, to think a lot about it, though, right? Like um, Google's, yeah. uh, I can't remember like the name of their company that like, does all the experiments and stuff, but they had something, I think it's still an active project called Tables, yeah. um, that is kind of like an Airtable competitor. Um, Which is still, it's active, right? Which is crazy. We're talking about like a trillion, couple trillion dollar company. Right. It's, it's like very trying to figure to, like, out. find it and, you know. Um, it's not too public, but what I noticed in Google Sheets the other day is that they're starting to allow like dropdowns for statuses in certain tables in docs, right? So it's bringing in that like Coda and Notion type of, uh, you know, view. Um, so yeah, it's really interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. Microsoft is, uh, I mean, I don't know if you saw like the, the fluid, I think it's called fluid, right? Um, yeah. which is kind of like their newer kind of, uh, I mean, it looks identical to Notion in, in some factors. Um, I think it's just shocking that, you know, it's um, 2022 and, you know, Notion, Airtable and some of these others have been around. And it's not even that the fact that these companies have been growing um, leaps and bounds and getting pretty significant valuations. It's more like not understanding that this is probably how uh, companies want to interact with their data and create their own yep. toolkits instead of focusing only on like Microsoft Dynamics uh, and having like a set uh, standard. Now, it kind of leads to the next thing, which is, you know, who is at risk here? Um, you know, WordPress versus Wix. Wix takes the, you know, the coding element out of it. And in some cases, the design element. Um, and then you have others. Like, who is at risk when you think of the behemoths um, where it's like uh, the lowest hanging fruit, I guess, uh, for disruption of the incumbents with a lot of these tools? Yeah. So um, it's really interesting. Um for just just one quick point, right? To like the really quick to like the Notion side of the you know Notion and you know all those things. A lot of times, developers or, or companies who like have the G Suite or you know the Microsoft Suite will say, "Why do you want to use this tool? It, you know, this is easy stuff to do in in, in the platforms we already have or whatever." And I think the biggest thing people discount is we live in a world where we're saturated with really beautiful consumer applications. 
And people forget that like usability is a really important thing. Mm, Just because I can do something somewhere as the business user doesn't mean I'm going to want to, doesn't mean I'm going to want to spend my day there. Um, So uh, I wouldn't discount that. Um, Technically you can do some of the, sure, some of the things in one app versus another, but do you want to, do you want to be using, you know, uh, uh, is it enjoyable? Um, And when business users are spending their whole days in these applications, um, they want to feel comfortable. They want to like the experience um, because they have such a high bar from the B2C application world. Um, Stuff doesn't look like, you know, like DOS anymore, right? It's like beautiful, elegant software. So um, I think that's, usability is one major thing to consider. Uh, When I think who's it, when I think who's at risk, look, I I do think all the platforms are kind of coming for each other a bit, right? Um, You know, uh, like, uh, you know, Airtable and and Retool and Zapier, like they're all thinking about things that kind of, you know, go into each other's lanes a bit, which I think is really interesting. Um, So my, my thought here is, is there going to be a Salesforce of this world? Right. Like that is just that really becomes the center. Like who is the Salesforce? Who is the hub spot? That's kind of like for smaller businesses. I think about it like that when it comes into consolidation. Um, uh, sometimes I think about uh, when I think about who's at. Who's at risk. You know, I do think these like vertical SaaS platforms uh, where it is straight up just like a CRM, you know, in a certain capacity. I think these other companies are coming for their lunch in a really interesting way. Um, I don't think it completely removes the need for company, you know, for CRM companies. But man, when you can have data like this and you can build your own applications like a CRM, but also your customer service help desk, like all these things on top of no code. You know, I think they're coming for market share on that front. I mean, the things I see our customers and like our community members and no code ops build with uh, no code that they will net, they will never leave. Like they are, they're in. Um, is it, like I, I see whole inventory systems built on for it. sure, and they're selling it right. So it's almost like a uh, you know a creator uh, the creator economy concept is is out there. And we're, people are creating tools off of databases like a Notion and then reselling those for 500 bucks for a template. Um, oh, yeah. And they've become like a, you know, their own business of selling. A, oh, yeah. Like a Not only are people mobile. selling templates, which is like amazing. Uh, people are even just like selling access to databases that are organized beautifully with Airtable. Like there was an sure. entire company that came up recently called like Paytable.io that solely exists to help you sell your Airtable data. Huh. It's amazing. That is amazing. It's fascinating. Um, yeah, I, I think conceptually is so. The the biggest uh, thing to look at is look. All the revenues are growing, even the incumbents, right? So everyone's growing. So I, I think by nature that means people are simply not in these products yet, for the most part. Which is, you know, the uh, what's happening is you're you're stealing from paper and pen and Excel spreadsheets today. Yep. And that's ultimately what's happening because Monday's growing, Asana's growing, uh, Notion's growing, Airtable's growing. I don't know Coda's numbers, but um, essentially, you know, they're all growing. Microsoft's still growing. Google's growing. Um, so it, it's just well, fascinating. It just, software begets the need for more software at the end of the day. Just like code begets the need for more code. Like it's, um, uh, we live in a world today where every company to a degree is a tech company, where mm-hmm. more data is being produced constantly than ever before. And for that reason, you need more ways to organize that data that are specific 
to the use cases at that company that people and departments need. And there's just not enough engineers in the world to customize every use case for every department at every company that happens to consume data. And that's where the power of no-code really comes in is that um, someone with two weeks training who works in operations, you know, sales ops, people ops, et cetera, can write these incredibly custom, beautiful applications for their team. That's exactly what their team wants. And when their team has a change, you know, a change request, it's not a four week, let's fight for the roadmap. They just tell their operations person and it gets done. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. Definitely. Yeah. Look, we use Trello, we use Notion and we use Monday.com. Um, and they all kind of are trying to do the same thing, but yet we found different purposes for each, um, right. where it's more native, right? Like, uh, so like notion on the, on your, on your mobile device, isn't as uh, user-friendly as Trello is. Um, so for like task lists in, in some cases, Trello is the tool that doesn't mean in five years that notion and some of their recent updates have been much more mobile friendly. Um, but anyways, so, so to, to move on. I, and eventually get to switchboard here and even no code ops is uh, the automation layer. So let's talk about the automation layer, uh, Zapier make just what, what do you see here? The, Zapier has been around for a while. We use Zapier. Uh, we use fringely make uh, for some use cases, but in general, um, you know, what, where did Zapier start? Where's it today? Uh, and then just automation in general. So, some platforms are building automation internally. I don't know if that's powered by Zapier, but it's uh, sometimes yeah, oddly it's, enough. Not a lot of people know this, but like, Zapier like deploys like internal like um, like private you know instances of it for certain companies too, which is really fascinating. Um, I assume so, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's not just like the public use case of Zapier. But here's the thing: like where we see going, right? So like we're a we're a we're a metadata you know layer tool, right? Like today, what we do uh, when we started our our thing was um, we saw. Uh, You're talking about switchboard. Yeah, first switchboard. Okay, yeah. Okay. So what we saw was all these tools out there, right? So Zapier is really incredible at, you know, Zapier make a really incredible integrations and like connecting data between places without knowing code. There's yeah, just describe really... Zapier for everyone if you could. Yeah, you so there, for Zapier, um, if you want to integrate two pieces, you know, two platforms. Uh, so let's say every time, um, every time this form gets submitted in Google Forms, uh, I want something to appear in this air table, send me a Slack message. Um, and if that form, uh, you know, there's like say options A, B, and C, if option C gets selected, I also want to send an email to Sarah, right? Um, you can do all of that without writing code uh, and just very easy drag and drop, you know, using, you know, um, like drop down menus uh, with Zapier. So you, uh, you know, if you've ever had to say, oh man, like, I don't know how to write APIs. Like I don't know how to connect APIs or I don't know what a JSON is. Like if you don't know any of that or webhooks or anything, you can use Zapier as long as the tools both connect to Zapier. It's kind of like this common, um, this common middle ground between a lot of applications. Yeah. So Zapier is the stitch, the glue between multiple apps, which allow the apps and data between the apps to connect and then do things with it, which means it's an important layer, which comes in switchboard, yeah. which is... Which da, 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 da. is, uh, so we're the monitoring layer for that today, right? So we integrate with Zapier and Make. Um, so when something critical fails, we essentially act like pager duty, right? Like we let the right person on the right team know in the right channel. If they don't respond, we escalate it. We track it. Uh, we show, you know, resolution times and uh, logs and certain people can subscribe to them because, you know, if you're just using a Zap for a simple, oh, I just want a notification. It's not really a use case for us. But when your whole sales process relies on four Zaps, uh, you're sure going to want to know when things go down. Um, yeah. 
and, uh, and you don't want your customers letting you know, you want to find out first. And so um, we built a more robust notification and routing system um, than Zapier and Make uh, have internally today. Now, the goal behind building that wasn't to just end up, you know, in a final state where we are just a pager, we're simply this feature uh, for these tools that they currently uh, haven't really dove into. The idea was, could we start with something specific like monitoring and really um, integrate with these tools uh, in a way that as we continue to grow as a company, uh, we can truly be that metadata layer over your entire stack that goes way beyond monitoring, that goes into uh, documentation, process mapping, governance, compliance. Um, so that way for a larger organization um, that wants to enable what we call citizen developers, right, which are like all the no coders on the ground, you know, different organizations um, to go forth and build all of these incredibly powerful things with these incredibly powerful tools that is interacting with company data. Um, how do you have one place where all these people can play nicely together that exists above the tools um, that is not just within each tool? I get it. Yeah. So the, the show notes we had was basically to, to connect that to the pager duty. if that was the inspiration there. Um, and, and yeah, the question was really around if pager duty, you know, pager duty has now a lot of use cases beyond just that there's obviously Zapier and make, those are only two products. Um, so yeah, you're, you're talking about extending this beyond Zapier make and just yep. tracking automations specifically within those, but even beyond that, where it's, uh, you know, if, if something else, I guess, uh, there's an error in some part of it for, for everyone's purpose, the, the importance of this is, you know, uh, Philip is probably dealing or trying to deal with bigger companies where, or even small companies, it doesn't really matter the size where a lot of these sales procedures processes are revenue. And I know how yeah. PagerDuty explains it, where one second for a company could be a hundred thousand dollars. If it's, you know, um, Black Friday and your website goes down for five minutes, um, you need to bring that back up as quick as possible and be notified and route it to the right people at the right time to get that thing up and running. It sounds like the same thing, but actually just a step higher. Taking Very your no-code ops. Specifically for origin. operations automation. And, you know, today we work with the integrators. Eventually we'll work, you know, we're already starting to look into working with the application layers. So, you know, all of the, uh, all of the air tables and Google Sheets and HubSpots of the world, right? We're starting cool. to look into that. Um, but yeah, the idea is, uh, A, can you make sure that you always know that uh, when something's broken, that someone's in charge of it, responsible for it, accountable for it, right? Because no code's this double-edged sort of, you can move so, 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 so fast and build really, really powerful things. But at the same time, it's a bit scary because you can move so, so, so fast and build very, very powerful things. Yeah. Um, and so what we want to do is always make sure that the things that are being built are sustainable, reliable. And uh, even if they're going across multiple systems, so say if something that starts in a type form and goes to make and then goes to uh, you know Airtable uh, and then goes to Zendesk through a native integration, we want to make sure that somewhere that is all documented beautifully, automatically updated, errors are known. Um, that's the kind of stuff we're thinking about right now. That's cool. Yeah. There's this whole concept of shadow IT, which is uh, essentially a lot of these no-code tools have allowed people inside of companies to build a lot of different things. Um, and, you know, I think governance is the next phase of no-code in a sense. And this sounds like a governance tool. Well, and even beyond it, right? It's an operational... Go for it. Go, go. Yeah, so we have a very specific belief on that front internally that we kind of live by, which is um, shadow IT is a real thing. Uh, but the way to defeat shadow IT is not just to come in and say, cool, we found all these tools. We're shutting them all down. Right. Yeah. Or <laughs> our belief is that if we make a tool that's so useful to the operator that they love using it, that it really helps their use case, 
they'll continue to plug their tools into it and love it and keep using it uh, to the point where one day when we involve IT and, you know, and devs into the, into the world of what we're building, um, they really truly become collaborators and not just, you know, uh, the naysayers. Got it. So a couple things here. Last, last thing is, okay, obviously um, the switchboard, where are you in that uh, business journey? Um, I'll, I'll put the link uh, in the show notes so everyone can kind of uh, go there and check out what it is specifically for your users today of uh, Zapier or make. Um, and you're, you have complex issues where you want to track and make sure everything's up and running. Number two is, you know, tell everyone uh, you run the newsletter, no code ops uh, and a lot of events around no code. You're the king of no code uh, from my lens. Uh, I am a uh, kind of new newsletter. I get that. Um, however, you know, what are, what should people expect from no code ops in terms of uh, if they did subscribe, I guess, to your newsletter or anything else? Around yeah. What should, what so do? for the newsletter, um, we send out a newsletter every week on Thursdays. Uh, one coming out later today, which is exciting. Um, <laughs> Uh, where we cover different tools, different use cases, different updates around the industry, but purely focused from the lens of the operator. Um, so less on like the maker and founder side, much more on the operator uh, side. So how are certain tools or platforms or updates uh, relevant or useful to the operator? So we send that out every week. Um, we host events on that front. So, um, you know, going over things like Zapier 101, what is an API? Um, uh, we also have a Discord community uh, that's free to join. Um where we're all talking to each other all day about this stuff and helping unblock each other uh, in certain areas, show off what we're doing. Um, uh, yeah. And then, you know, perks and discounts and, you know, all that stuff as well and different tools. Um, so that's no code ops uh, on the switchboard side. Yeah. It's been awesome, man. We uh, uh, back in March, we raised uh, our seed round that was led by slow ventures. There was a $4.5 million seed round. And um, so it's just been grown and uh, grown and building since then. And, you know, today, like I said, it looks like just a monitoring tool. Um, uh, but you'll see over the next uh, few months, uh, all the magic we're picking up in the background to really be uh, that single pane of glass over your stack uh, that goes way beyond monitoring, way beyond just your integration tools. Cool. Yeah, we'll be following both of those uh, product companies. Um, we'll end there. You know, I, look, I re really appreciate you coming on here, um, laying down the kind of foundation of, of no code in general. Uh, subscribe to his newsletter. I don't think you'll be uh, disappointed in general. I'll put that there. Uh, again, there's no re relationship here in terms of that. So uh, it's pure uh, from the heart uh, in terms of- uh, Pure product pure, love. Pure product love in terms of what he's building over there. Um, anyways, with that, we'll end there. I appreciate you coming on and you know we'll catch up in the future. Cool. Thanks, man.